Thanks so much for joining us today. Our hope and prayer is that God will use this message powerfully in your life and that it'll bring you closer to him. If you'd like more information about our church or if you'd like to hear more messages, you can visit vibechurch.com or download our app. Now get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Can y'all hear me? Okay, there it is. Hi. Like Pastor Randy said, I had a chance to be up with our Chapin family um, this morning, and he was talking about being anxious to get up here. I was so anxious there. I think I preached for about 15 minutes because I was so like nervous about getting back here in time. So my goal is to slow down just a little bit this morning and um, be with you. Mike was caring for me by talking me down from the ledge. <laughs> So, um, but I'm really um, grateful to be with you all today and just want to take the opportunity again to acknowledge all the fathers in the room for your care, for your families. Um, It's um, hugely important and impactful and to honor uh, Mike on his first Father's Day. And two other special fathers to me that are in the room. Mike's father, my father-in-law is here, Carl, and my dad, Lonnie, is also here as well. So I'm grateful for your all support today. So as I was thinking about um, what it means to care for one another, um, some of you know I grew up in New Jersey, and one of the phrases that came to mind was, don't talk about it, be about it. And so that was the phrase that kept, I kept hearing in my head as we think about what does it mean to care for one another. And we use that phrase, don't talk about it, be about it, um, where I come from as a way to kind of challenge people that are always talking about what they're about to do or what they have done or what they will do. And it's like, okay, well, that's great, but show me. You know what I mean? Let me see um, the action behind your words. Let me see you actually do this thing that you're claiming that you're going to do. And so it was just that challenge to actually be about what we talk about, to have that connection between what we say and what we do so that when people hear our talk, they can trust it, that we can be a people of our word um, and a people of action. And so since it is Father's Day, I'm going to talk about my dad just a little bit um, while he's here. Um, My parents used to keep this file cabinet that had a folder for each member of the family. And in that folder kept all of our, you know, old report cards, um, any type of certificates or awards that we received over the years. And so it was just a way to collect memories and achievements. And I remember, I don't know if I was a teenager or maybe um, college age, and I was just going through that folder and looking through old things and getting a little puffed up. And I was like, ooh, I've accomplished a lot in my little 17 years. (laughs) And as I was showing these things to my dad in the folder, he said um, something akin to, that's all great, but what are you doing now? And I was like, dang, like, can I bask in the glow of, you know, all of my achievements and all the things that I've done? Um, But in that moment, he taught me the meaning of the phrase, not resting on your past laurels. He taught me a lesson um, that sometimes we get lulled into complacency, thinking about what we have done, and it keeps us from engaging in the work that we can do in the here and now. He taught me that it's great to stop to celebrate, but you can't stay there. Eventually, you've got to move forward. You've got to get up and do that thing that you've been talking about. And that's what I see when it comes to caring for one another, that there have been times in our lives where we have cared. I'm sure every person in this room has cared for someone in some capacity or some form. But sometimes we get so drained, so burned out that we just keep thinking about the things that we have done. And that keeps us from getting to a place where we can do something now. And so we've got to stop. Um, We've got to reassess and we've got to reignite that flame in us that connects our words to our actions. 
Um, another phrase that often kind of flew around our household was, um, don't be sorry, be different. And so my parents had this gift of spiritual gut checks. <laughs> and I appreciate that um, and the wisdom in that, because what they were saying to me was essentially that talk is cheap if it's not backed up by your actions. So when we talk about this topic of what it means to care for one another, these life lessons keep coming to mind. And my father has always been a man of his word, and I've watched how he didn't just talk about caring for others, but he did it day after day after day. And I'm grateful for that example because in our current cultural climate, we encounter a lot of talk about caring for one another. Everyone has a political opinion about how we should be involved as a nation, as a state, as a church in meeting the needs of our communities. We have a lot of philosophies about what it means to care, but when we seem to be stopping short of actually implementing them, and it's time for us as a church and as a community of faith to not just talk about it, but to be about it. So the scripture that God laid on my heart today comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 18, and I'll read it to you. It says, by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So the first thing that we learn about care from these verses is that care requires us to come close. I believe that the beauty of our Christian faith rests not only in the fact that God loves us unconditionally and relentlessly, but that this love is so passionate and so strong and so all-consuming that it moves him to action. God's desire for us is communion or that deep intimacy of relationship with each and every human being. And nothing models that love more than the sending of his son. God's love for us made him discontent with watching us from afar, but it compelled him to come close, to dwell among us, and to know what it looks like to live within the human condition with all its ailments and all its afflictions. When my dad used to preach, he had this saying that he's a God that sits high and looks low, and I believe that, and I also want to add that he sits high, he looks low, and he comes low. He comes to where we are. He enters into our suffering. He enters into our pain, and he lifts us up out of it. He didn't just plop Jesus down in the midst of us as a full-grown adult, but he sent him as a baby. Love allowed for vulnerability. If you think about it, Jesus spent 30 years getting to know our deepest needs. Before he performed any miracle, he took the time to get to know us, our afflictions, our sorrows, our grief, our desires, and our faults, our failures, and our shame. If you look at Isaiah 53, 3, and we look at the suffering servant song that talks about Jesus coming, he says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with our grief. Hebrews also sums this up for us in chapter 4, um, verse 15, and it tells us that we don't have just an advocate in Jesus, but we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, that he was tempted in all things as we are and yet was without sin. Jesus didn't just talk about it, but he was about it in his ministry each and every day. And that invitation is for us to do the same, to not stand afar off from our families, from our friends, from our church, from our community, but to be vulnerable enough to get up close, to enter into the messiness of the human condition with those that you love and to abide with them. You know, I think about um, Mikey, my baby, who was the one that was making all that noise earlier. 
Hi, love. <laughs> um, but when he cries, there's something in me as a mom that I cannot ignore that cry. And so whenever he cries, I run to where he is to see what that need is to meet it. And it's the same with God, that when he hears our cries, when he hears the cries of his children, when he hears the needs that are on our heart, he runs toward us and tries to meet that need. And that is the call that we have, that when we see these needs, when we hear them, when we sense them among us, that we need to run towards them and not away from them. So the second thing that we can learn from this verse is that care requires us to lay down our lives. And when we hear lay down our lives, I know that can be scary and daunting and it's kind of like, okay, what are you about to ask me to do? But I'm not asking you to literally die um, for your families or your friends or Vive Church um, or even for your communities. But if we look closely at the word used for life in this passage, um, suke, it's closely linked to our breath. And I find this interesting because I know a lot of us, for a lot of us, it's more comfortable to talk about caring for others than it actually is to be about the business of caring for others. And so I love what um, Jake said, I'm getting your name right, about his ministry because he heard the need, he saw the need, and he and his wife didn't just let it stop there, but they were willing to lay down their talk and actually go to Russia and to meet that need. And so um, we see this in our social media culture um, a lot where we talk instead of do, where the keyboard warriors will debate for hours about the needs of the homeless, the impoverished, the mentally ill, the incarcerated, the elderly, and the list goes on and on. But in most instances, those online arguments amount to a whole lot of inaction. But we feel comforted by our talk and our philosophical musings because in honesty, it doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't cost me anything to tweet. It doesn't cost me anything to post a Facebook post. It doesn't cost me anything to put up a picture on Instagram. But what it does cost me or what it can cost me is to actually get out there and to touch these people that we keep talking about. A lot of times we think our talk equates with our care when in actuality our talk only demonstrates concern. Because concern keeps us in the realm of our thoughts and our feelings, but care calls us to action. Care happens when we're so unsettled by the needs of others that we can no longer stand idly by, but we have to take up their cause, their need, as if it were our own. And I believe that this is the essence of what it means to lay down our lives, that our focus shifts from I and me to we, and our thoughts and prayers are replaced by deed and by truth. The third thing that this passage teaches us in verse um, 17 is that care requires us not to turn a blind eye. For a lot of us, the needs are all around us and they can feel overwhelming. It's in our families, it's in our jobs, it's at our schools, it's in our small groups. And we see them and sometimes we can either ignore them or we tell ourselves, I'll attend to it on another day. How many times have we heard our spouse express a need to us and we procrastinate a little bit because we know that, that to meet that need is going to inconvenience us in some way and so we put it off and we keep putting it off and eventually we forget about it. Or how many times have our children vied for our time and our affection but we tell them, not now, mom or dad has some work to do. We're busy. We have some more important things to attend to than to sit down and to actually spend time with you. And how many times have we heard the call of God to stop and minister to someone with either a phone call, a hug, or a conversation after church, and we say, not now, Lord, I've got too many things, too busy, too, I'm attending to other things that are more important than this. The needs are all around us, but we turn a blind eye. 
However, if we look at the pattern laid out in scripture all throughout, we see this deep connection between God seeing the affliction of his people and responding by sending someone or something. In fact, there are two names from God that show up in Genesis that speak to this important connection between God seeing our needs and responding to them. The first comes out in Genesis 16 where we find the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And Hagar is at that time fleeing um, from Abraham and Sarah. And she's in the middle of the wilderness and she's almost at the point of death, her and her child. And God sends the angel of the Lord to her. And in that moment, he meets both her physical need and her spiritual need. He opens up her eyes to see a well of water that's nearby to offer sustenance to her and her child. And he also, also blesses her and her seed for all generations to come. And in that moment, Hagar's perception of God was transformed. Here she is, this slave woman who, whose um, master serves this God who she may have felt like kept her oppressed. But in this moment, this God came close to her. And she names God Jehovah Roe, the living one who sees me. And in that moment, Hagar learned that there was no station too lowly, no situation too dire, no shame too great that the living one was unwilling to over, was willing to overlook. He saw and he sent. Likewise, in Genesis 22, we find another great need um, that God kind of actually orchestrated in um, Abraham and Isaac's story where um, God called Abraham to actually sacrifice Isaac. And so when Abraham gets to the point where he's just about to do that, that God steps in and he provides this ram in the bush. And I believe that God did this purposefully to show Abraham something about his character and about who he was. And so the name that Abraham uses to name God in this moment is Jehovah Jireh, which we're familiar with and which is typically we hear translated as God will provide. And that is true. But I find it interesting that the words Roe and Jireh are taken from that same root word in the Hebrew. Hebrew, that verb which means to see. And so while Jehovah Roe means the God who sees, Jehovah Jireh builds on this relationship and can be literally translated as the God who will see to it. What does this mean for us? It again reminds us that God doesn't just talk about it, but he is about it. He doesn't just watch us suffer with loving eyes, but he sees our needs and that stirs up in him a care for us and elicits an action. God doesn't just see, but he sees to it. He attends to our needs. So the impetus and the call for us is to do the same. God desires to send us, to send each and every person in this room to meet the needs that he sees. It reminds me of the call narrative in Isaiah where the spirit cries out, who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here I am, Lord, send me. Are we willing to not just see the needs? among us, but to see to it that they are met. And fourthly, we see in verse 17 that care requires us to have an open heart. Sometimes the issue is not that we're turning a blind eye to the needs, we see them, but the unwillingness to meet the needs is actually rooted in our heart posture. Sometimes we're quick to judge the need as a consequence of the action someone has taken or poor decision-making or wrong behavior, and so we lack compassion and grace. We withhold what we have because we feel as though the person who has the need is undeserving. 
And I think this is where Jesus challenges us because the beauty of the cross is in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still undeserving, he was willing to come and lay down his life for us. And so that's the challenge is to do the same thing, to not look at one another and to judge your circumstances or what's going on in your life, your situations. But it's to say, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. I'm willing to come close to you and to meet that need. Jesus was all about heart checks, and I think that's probably where my parents (laughs) picked it up. Um, And we see this again in John 8 when Jesus encounters the woman caught in adultery in the crowd that's really um, ready and willing to stone her. And he challenges them again with that heart-reflective question of, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. To truly care for one another, we're going to have to set aside our preconceived notions, our biases, our labels, and our boxes for others, and open up our hearts to extend compassion, grace, and love. Um, Some of you know I'm a chaplain, and so that word care is um, really important to what we do. We call what we do pastoral care or spiritual care, and so care is a daily word that's thrown around the hospital. Um, But And I think about all the patients where um, I've had to really open up my heart and kind of move aside from my biases. And one in particular, he was this um, older gentleman, so ornery. Um, And so um, the situation was he'd gotten so irate with the staff that he was like hitting staff. He was throwing poop. And so, of course, their solution to that is let's call the chaplain. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing today. (laughs) So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this man who's throwing his poop? So... And so, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm thinking about all that I've heard about this guy, you know, and his anger and his frustration, his irritation. And I'm like, oh, okay. So here I go into this room. So, I, you know, I'm peeking around the corner to see what he's got in his hand, you know, as I move closer to the bedside. And um, as I got to talking with him, he started sharing um, some about all the regrets that he had in his life and the people that he mistreated um, related to not only his family, but his mom as well. And as we were able to dig deeper into um, some of his regrets, I found out that his anger was really being misdirected. He was angry, but he was really angry at himself for not taking the opportunity and the time to actually be um, the father to his family um, that he was supposed to be. And so in that moment, um, I had to set aside what I thought about him to actually get to know him. And to see him and to see his needs and to see his affliction. And in that, I was able to find empathy for him because I could relate to feeling regretful about the things that I talked about doing but that I didn't do. So I was willing to come into that room and to move close to him. And on the same side of that, he had to have an open heart to allow me to come closer, to share his story, and to allow me to hear it. And so it's that both and that we not only have to have open hearts to meet the needs, but when we have needs, we have to be open enough to share them with one another and allow each other to come close and surround us. And so the last thing that um, I believe that we can learn from these verses is that care for one another requires maturity. In the final verse, in verse 18, it says, Little children, let us love not, um, with word, not with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. This verse lets us know that those of us that just talk about caring for others, who spend our breaths dissecting the pros and cons and evaluating whether or not the needs should be met based on our assessments of individuals that we never even get close to, are essentially immature. And that reminded me again of my son. He's nine months old now, and so he has no thought to what his mom needs, my need for sleep, 
He, he doesn't care about that. When he has a need, he expresses it and he expects me to come and to meet it. And a lot of us are still childlike in that way that we're so focused on our needs that we never think about the needs of the people that are around us. We're so caught up in my need for and what I need to have in this moment and how you're going to meet that for me that we never take the time to think about what it's costing the people around us to come closer and to meet the need that we have. And so we've got to slow down and we've got to grow up. That scripture tells us that we have not yet learned what it means to abide in God and to allow God to abide in us when we're caught in this place of immaturity. When we allow God to grow us and mature us, we get restless with just thoughts. We get uncomfortable with just debates. We get dissatisfied with pointless arguments about who is deserving and we get tired of talking about it. And instead, we are compelled to be about the work of the kingdom, which is to care for one another in action and in truth. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you so much for your word that calls us to action. You are indeed the word made flesh. You literally embody what it means to take breath and put body to it, to give it legs, to give it feet, and to allow it to enter in to our suffering and our need in a way that is so powerful that it breaks every chain, it meets every need, and it lifts us up to where you are. And so my prayer now for each and every person under the sound of my voice is that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Make us sensitive to the needs that are around us, O oh God, and allow us to come close to one another and to our communities in a way that meets those needs. Remind us again, O oh God, of what you've done for us on the cross. You gave to us freely. And so now I ask that you would help us to give freely to others. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Jackie. I'm going to have to watch that message again a couple times. There's so much. Wow. What a rich message. This is what love looks like. Caring for one another. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's be about it. Amen. Would you stand with me? Can we do something this morning? One of the pictures of the church that's given to us by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is, is a body, describes the church as a body and, and how that body is connected and all each member has a distinct function and and so this morning you, maybe you're not used to like somebody touching you that you don't know but can we just put our hands on each other's shoulders I know this is probably pretty bold it's like whoa I don't know but uh, can we just pray for one another this morning and just as a, in a symbolic way so you're going to have to come across you know the sides are going to have to come in and and uh again i know some of you may be like man i'm you know not used to people touching me it's okay you'll be all right promise we're going to pray for one another so we're going to pray for the person on our left the person on our right and we don't know what's going on in their lives we don't know what's happening but Jackie made such a great point of how important it is for us to get close and for us to get involved in people's lives. And If Vive Church is going to be an effective witness and an effective picture and, uh, of who Jesus is in this world, we've got to get close. 
not only to one another, but we got to get close to those who God has put us strategically near in our communities. You got to get to know your neighbors. You got to get to know the people that you work with and that work in the same building. You, you got to get to know the students that you spend classes with and time with. And you just, you just got to get to know the people that God has strategically placed you near. So we're going to start right here by praying and for one another and getting close to one another and caring for one another. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we lift up those that are on our left and those that are on our right. And we pray your grace. We pray your strength. We pray, Father, for your provision in their lives. We pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom that you would see them through the, the situations and the circumstances that they find themselves in. And God, I, I pray that you would help us as a church to not just say a prayer and walk away, but to say a prayer and then find out how, how we can be involved and how we can help and how we can be a part of each other's lives. And so right now, I just pray, Father, that you would blend us together just like what is pictured here what is symbolic that you would blend this church together that you would blend our hearts together our lives together and God that you would teach us and show us how to do the same in every area that you have strategically placed us Lord in our communities in our in our work in our schools wherever you have placed us in whatever situation help us to take time to get close and to find what the need is and to be your hands your feet your heart in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you father thank you father Jackie, thank you so much. What a powerful message. Let me remind you real quick, Jake and Shelly, you're going to be out in the lobby and uh, come out and meet them and uh, pick up a pledge form. Let's bring somebody to life this week. Can we do that? Let's do it. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us today. We're hoping that this message brought you to life. If you have any prayer requests or if you'd like to connect with our church family, you can email us at info at vibechurch.com or you can fill out the contact card section in our app. We're looking forward to hearing about all the ways that God is moving in your life. And until next time, go bring somebody to life.